0: Coming to you from a cozy little condo, high atop old Fort Ward, Atlanta. Welcome Welcome to The Ron Show on America
1: One Radio. Here's your host, Ron Roberts.
2: And I'm really excited today. My guest is Johnny McCoy, who is the founder of the White Flag app. If you have not downloaded the White Flag app yet, You may think you don't need it. I think everyone at some point in time eventually does. So it may sit there dormant. You may have to re-download it or update it from time to time. But it's always good to have on your phone. And it's available on the iTunes or the Google Play market uh, for you Android users. The White Flag app is essentially uh, your opportunity to speak to someone at any point in time that you feel you need to if you are having a challenge with mental health. And we all have them from time to time. In fact, the founder, if I described him to you, good-looking, southern-born, successful attorney, married a gorgeous Brazilian woman, he's got it all, right? Well, he's a human being who has had challenges in his life, continues to face them, and decided to create this app so that in circumstances... Like he's dealt with where he needed someone to talk to, there is someone for anyone to talk to at no cost. His name is Johnny McCoy. We'll have him on on the second half of the show. want to begin the show with yet another bat sh** crazy thing that Marjorie Taylor Greene has said and absolutely believes in her heart. This on the Charlie Kirk Show. I don't think the left would ever stop. I don't think they'll ever stop trying to invade our states or our counties. So invade? how do we stop them?
3: Well, I think that, you know, red states could choose and uh, how they allow people to vote in their states. For example, um, over the past couple of years, we've seen a mass exodus from California and New York uh, where we've seen people Lean, uh those leftist policies and moving to states like Florida, Georgia, Texas—you um, know, states where they they like the tax policies, they they like the schools, they li- they like the consequences of Republican and red policies. Um, what I think would be something that some red states could propose is, well, okay if if democrat voters uh, choose to flee these blue states where they cannot tolerate the living conditions they don't want their children caught these horrible things and they really change their mind on the types of policies that they support well once they move to a red state guess what Maybe you don't get to vote for five years. You can live there. You can work there. But you don't get to bring your values that you, that you basically created in the blue states you came from by voting for Democrat leaders and Democrat policies. But this would be up to, to red states to be able to choose to do something like that so that their red states don't get changed, which is what's happening, um, unfortunately, when Democrat voters leave their Democrat states and they take their Democrat votes with them. Um, That would be something that these red states would have to really consider and choose to do. But I'm a big believer in freedom, Charlie, but I'm also um, a big believer in defending our ability uh, to pursue life and liberty and happiness, and the left is completely destroying that for those of us on the right.
2: Okay, first of all, Congresswoman Crazy Pants, Um, not everybody moves from New York or Illinois or California to states like Texas or South Carolina, Florida, Georgia, Louisiana, because they just wanted to. Uh, Oftentimes, folks relocate because their jobs send them somewhere else. And a lot of that comes from right-wing states coughing up subsidies and tax breaks, et cetera, and so on, that the state then has to turn around and find the funds for in some other way. You know, like a regressive tax that hits the rest of us, us common folks at the bottom of the rung. Also, I have to remind Marjorie, Marjorie once lived in Alpharetta, Georgia. I believe, no, she did business in Alpharetta. I believe she lived in North Fulton County or Cobb County 1. Either one would be a blue county in a blue district where she then moved to a super safe, super red district just to run for office. Somewhere in the 2017-2018 realm, if I'm not mistaken. And if I'm not mistaken, she said something about five years. And if I'm doing my math right, she didn't move into her red district until five, maybe six years ago, which means that only last year would she have been eligible under her own idea to run for office if we took that to the district level instead of just stopping at state lines. Maybe, ma'am, read up on your constitution and maybe, ma'am, look at your own damn situation and ask yourself, would that have been fair for me? Come on, Marge, think about yourself again for the thousandth time. You represent the party of, well, what about me? Come on, think about it. Would that have been fair for you if we had had some sort of policy in place that disallowed someone to move from one congressional district to another, the opportunity to vote, let alone run for office. I mean, that's kind of carpetbaggy, isn't it? I say this all the time. y'all. The lack of self-awareness on that side of the aisle is stunning. Honestly, as someone on the left who looks for content all the time to opine about, specifically Atlanta and Georgia and Southern-centric from a political standpoint, When Marjorie speaks, it's usually manna from heaven. When she does it twice in the same week, it's it's euphoric, (laughs) as it is for local comedian Corey Ryan Forrester, who decided to note her idea that we should be divorcing. Remember that just a few days ago? Divorcing uh, between the blue and the red states. Here's his thoughts on that.
0: Uh, so Marjorie Taylor Greene thinks that this country should, like, be split into two factions, and, uh, I mean, I don't know if any of y'all are history buffs, but we tried that one time, and it did not, it, um... Well, it was the opposite of what they called it. I can tell you that much right now. It was not good. Matter of fact, you could say that this country is sort of still repairing itself from that. And it was a lot different times back then, too. Like, it was, you know, it was pretty close. Mm. Whenever we split up the first time, it, like, came down to the wire. Mainly because back then, both sides had, like, the same guns and technology. But now, if you're talking about one group separating themselves from the government, I'm sorry, but have you seen Black Mirror? They ain't got that shit in Mississippi. Mm -hmm. Things are going to be quite different. And uh, for a myriad of reasons, I don't want this country to be split apart. Number one, I don't want to be exploded high on my priority list is not getting exploded. Number two, I don't want to have to get a passport just to see Lady Gaga in New York. That is not my idea of freedom. But I would like to say this to Marjorie Taylor Greene and all the people that believe in Marjorie Taylor Greene, maybe take some of your own advice and if you don't like this uh, country, then you get the fuck out, huh? Why do we all have to change to make things the way that you want it? Why don't you do, like you've always told us, if you don't like it, leave. How about that, you ignorant, stinky bitch?
2: you. The uh, deafening silence, by the way, from the Kevin McCarthy's of the world on the right side of the aisle, speaking out against Marjorie's calling for a national divorce, a disuniting of the United States. Yeah, that silence is deafening. Now, listen, I'm going to be fair here. There are a few Republicans who have spoken out against Marjorie's idea. Uh, Those Republicans would include uh, Mitt Romney, uh, Utah Governor Spencer Cox. Uh, who on Monday uh, hit back at Marjorie's calls for this national divorce, uh, saying the lawmaker's rhetoric is evil. He said, This rhetoric is destructive and wrong and honestly evil. We don't need a divorce. We need marriage counseling, and we need elected leaders that don't profit by tearing us apart. We can disagree without hate. Healthy conflict was critical to our national founding and survival. He said that on Twitter. No, oh, I should add that former GOP Congress folks, Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, also spoke out against her rhetoric as well, but they're out of office. Also, they're anti-Trumpers, so it's not all that surprising. Kevin McCarthy, Mitch McConnell, the dais is is hot. The mic is hot. It's open. We're waiting. I've said it before. I will say it again. There's no chance in hell that a Democrat wins her congressional district as it is currently constituted. However, It is possible, and I am begging for this to happen. I'm begging for sane Republican leadership to find a candidate to field against Marjorie Taylor Greene, run against her in a primary, well-funded, well-staffed, grassroots, to run against her, to primary her out of existence. I've been to that district many times. My uh, ex-in-laws are all residents of that area been into many churches and festivals, a couple of weddings, birthday parties, you name it. I've been to a lot of things in that district. I've been in that district an awful lot. There are a ton of good people in that district, and she's not a good representation of you. She's not. So I'm imploring the GOP to find and fund and staff a candidate to take her out of office. She's embarrassing the party. She's obviously embarrassing the state. She embarrasses the country. She embarrasses the ideals that this country was founded on. I know several Republicans, none of whom are fans of hers. So, it's pretty obvious that in this vacuum that exists in her district, without any pushback from her party, she continues to get away with what she continues to get away with. I'm begging Republicans in Northwest Georgia, find a candidate, fund a candidate, staff that candidate, back that candidate, get rid of Marjorie Taylor Greene so we can get back to having substantive civil dialogue about issues that face this country. And then you can take one of Kevin McCarthy's problems off his plate. Is Biden dissing my dogs? I'll discuss next. More on Show on America One Radio next. I'm hoping you've heard me say this before. I am actually also a realtor with eXp Realty. And you can learn more about me and my business at runonthereal.com. Or you can call me if you have questions about buying or selling your house. Just want to find out what your home's worth. 843-283-0078. Actually, you can get the home valuation done at runonthereal.com as well. And see the latest listings. About to list a nice home down in McDonough in a 55 plus retirement community. Can't wait to tell you a little bit more about that. But what I do want to tell you about is this. Have you noticed, by the way, everybody's been grousing about interest rates rising. They've actually been going down, mortgage rates anyway, for the last few months. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. So it's not like historic lows like it was in 2020 and 2021, but still we are seeing a little bit of a backtrack in mortgage rates. And by the way, lenders are offering buy-down programs that can get that mortgage rate down by one, two, often three percentage points so that you are buying back at the rates folks were buying at in 2021. I'd love to introduce you to some of those lenders. A lot of them, good friends of mine. I can set you up and then we can start looking for your new place. Give me a call at 843-283-0078 or hit me up, Ron, at rononthereal.com, Georgia MLS, 396 720 And if you're looking to sell your home, well, I just told you, interest rates are actually kind of crawling back a little bit. So there's a lot more interest in the housing market again. I get it. It's the holidays. You want folks not trapping through your house and gawking at your Christmas presents. And that goofy uncle of yours is visiting from Vermont through the holidays to get away from the snow. That's fine. don't have to list it right now, but it is time to start talking about listing your home if you're looking to do so in January or February, right before the spring market heats up. Give me a call, 843-283-0078, ron at rononthereal.com.
0: Follow The Ron Show on Twitter at ronshowatl. The Ron Show on America One Radio.
2: At the bottom of the hour and the second half of the show, my friend Johnny McCoy, founder of the White Flag app, joins us. White Flag is an app that Download it on your phone now. Just go ahead and have it ready in case you ever need it. If you ever feel like you need to talk to somebody, having a little. Lull in the Mental Wellness Department. The White Flag app can help you with that at no cost. We'll talk with them about that next segment here on The Ron Show. Like many of you, I get constantly frustrated when folks on the right like to make controversies of things that aren't controversial. The latest, and it's been covered in the AJC, for example, is the patiently awaiting an invite by the University of Georgia football team to the White House for a visit with President Joe Biden. So Warren Brinson uh, tweeted his uh, dismay that there has yet to be an invite to the White House. Tweeting, no invite to the White House is crazy, POTUS. That's defensive lineman Warren Brinson posting to Twitter. Fox News, of course, picked up on it. Can I just tell you, first of all, that we, we just saw the president in Kiev in a visit that was in the planning stages, according to media reports, for more than a month. Can I also point out that, um, how do I say this in a delicate way? Donald Trump didn't have Alabama Crimson Tide there until April 10th of 2018. Okay, what is today's day? It's February 22nd. Why is this an issue? I, listen, I'm, I'm not mad at Warren Brinson. I'm not at all mad at Warren Brinson. And I understand the sensitivity Uh, on his part and for many players on the University of Georgia football team. You have to remember, last year, the national champions, also the University of Georgia football team, go dogs, didn't get to go to the White House because of COVID protocols at the time. So since then, the Atlanta Braves have been to visit the White House. That's cool, right? The Golden State Warriors, who won the NBA championship last year, they've been to the White House, uh, I believe like a month ago or so, So I get it. George is wondering, where's our invite? Okay, I understand. That being said, from an historical standpoint, this is not super late. I mean, going back to 1996, President Bill Clinton had the University of Florida football team visiting him March 27th, 1997. It wouldn't be until August of 1999 that Bill Clinton was able to get the Tennessee Volunteers to come visit the White House for winning the national championship in 1998. It wasn't until March 2nd, 2000, that the Florida State Seminoles, who won the national championship in 1999, got to visit the same Bill Clinton. George W. Bush had the Oklahoma Sooners, the 2000 national champions, in to visit March 5th, 2001. It's only February 22nd, y'all. In fact, I can find very few moments in history where a national championship college football team visited the White House and a sitting president any sooner? To be honest, January 15th, 2019 is the one outlier to that. And famously, that's when Donald Trump greeted the Clemson Tigers with a huge spread of fast food. How thoughtful. Oh, one more headline I wanted to dive into. I I read a little bit about this a week or two ago, and I didn't know who was behind it, but the AJC's reporting uh, from Mark Neese and uh, Adrian Murchison has uncovered uh, some names who are behind this effort to take control of elections from Fulton County, or I guess in broader terms, from the counties to municipalities if and when necessary. Uh, In today's Jolt in the AJC, uh, a handful of cities in Atlanta's northern suburbs are attempting to take over administration of local elections from Fulton County. According to the AJC's Mark Neese and Adrian Murchison, the effort started with an idea from a Milton committee that included city officials and two residents. One of those two residents, by the way, Mark Amick, one of the 16 Republicans who tried to award Georgia's Electoral College votes to Donald Trump in 2020. Uh, The other person is Lisa Cawley, who's president of the Fulton County Republican Women. Uh, Amick was named as a target of the Fulton County Special Grand Jury investigation into possible election interference. He was also among those subpoenaed by the Special Grand Jury in the process. Hmm. Right off the bat, don't trust him, don't trust his motives. Sorry, not sorry. Also, let's point out that a bipartisan review panel came to the conclusion that the state shouldn't step in to take over Fulton County elections. According to WABE's reporting from last month, the state election board appointed the three-person panel in August of 2021 when Republican lawmakers used a provision of a sweeping elections law passed earlier that year to request a review of Fulton County's handling of elections. The report obtained by the Associated Press was submitted on Friday to the board and the Secretary of State's office. That reporting done on January 12th, 2023. The report says in previous years, Fulton County's elections had been plagued by disorganization and a lack of sense of urgency in resolving issues, but it also notes that the county showed improvement from 2020 to 2022, that old staff members have left and, quote, new staff can bring new energy and renewed commitments. I've maintained all along, by the way, that Fulton County's problems are mostly due to state regulations and lack of resources to handle uh, such a large block of voters. And don't forget that SB202 took away tools like uh, mobile voting buses and uses of venues like State Farm Arena, Mercedes-Benz Stadium for large-scale voting operations. And that despite that, Fulton County made gains in efficiency from 2020 to 2022. Hats off to them. Yeah, no, forgive me if I don't trust the folks in North Fulton County to handle this at the local level. And I certainly question their motives, especially the fake elector guy. All right. I try to make it no secret that uh, having lost my mother 12 years ago, having lost uh, the job that I thought was the pinnacle of my radio broadcasting career about three years ago, going through a divorce 16 months ago, has caused some tremendous mental health challenges for me. I have reached out, talked to therapists for the last 14 months or so. I'm going to talk with my good friend, Johnny McCoy, who launched the White Flag app for those who may not have the means to talk to a therapist or just need to talk to somebody right away and can't wait for an appointment. We'll learn about his mental health journey and learn how he arrived at realizing the white flag app was needed. More Ron Show on America
0: One Radio after this. This is the Ron Show on America One Radio.
2: So every once in a while, I get to catch up with old friends and see what's up in their world. And I've been wanting to catch up with this guy for a minute. His name is Johnny McCoy, and uh, Johnny joins me to discuss the White Flag app, which, by the way, I've downloaded. It's on my phone. I've yet to use it, though. I'm not gonna lie, Johnny, only because uh, I I don't know, I guess I've been in a good headspace lately, and I talk to a therapist routinely but I like knowing that it's there. So without further ado, Johnny McCoy, tell us about the White Flag app and how you came to realize the need for it.
1: Yeah, no, I appreciate it, Ron. It's good to talk to you again. You know, uh, we're social media buddies in that we keep up with each other Mm -hmm. through uh, social media and your podcast. And, you know, we just started our podcast on the White Flag app. Oh, cool. um, It's called White Flag Warriors. Um, And in the first three episodes have been my story which I'll kind of, um, you know, do a little succinct story here for you to kind of uh, let your your listeners understand how, how the White Flag app came to be. Um, but you can hear the full story on the White Flag Warriors uh, on any podcast okay. uh, channels. But basically, man, I'm, you know, I'm just like a typical person. You know, I was born into a family of uh, mentally ill parents who did not, and still to this moment, don't. Um, consider themselves mentally ill. My father witnessed uh, his grandfather um, take his own life uh, mm. in Spain in front of him uh, when he was a little boy. Uh, he was 12 years old and was going over to visit my grandfather who was living alone, just got to a divorce. And uh, he discovered him in his bed with a note in his hand. And the saddest part was the whole thing that not only did my grandfather know that my dad was coming, um, so he, you know, he knew he was going to find him, but um my dad uh, was was sworn to secrecy told never to talk about it mm. you know they called it a heart attack at the funeral and yeah. so he never had any treatment his you know i'm sure that there was some more things that happened to him growing up and then my mom was molested as a child mm. lost her father early Um, and you know, the mom was kind of absent and seven brothers and sisters, big Catholic family. Then they meet in the seventies at Disney, you know, kind of working their way up in the service industry. And, uh, they got married and had three little boys. And when you don't try to fix your own issues, what you don't transform, you transmit and they transmitted all that stuff through Mm. their veins, through their bodies, through their minds into us and I was born with generalized anxiety disorder and uh, panic disorder and some of these other issues. They just called me their worrier, you know, like, Oh, this is our nervous son. Uh, But in reality, I, you know, I had some very serious mental health issues growing up. And then one day my dad hit my mom in the face with a bottle and watching my father be arrested and my mom, you know, being mangled in the face, you know, it really did something to me. And, and most importantly, um, you know it made me uh, it made me realize that um, you know I was a little bit worse off than we thought the problem was my family they never um they never got me any treatment for it because mm-hmm. they didn't know anything better and so I just kind of went on with life and then the next thing you know uh, my mom becomes a full-blown alcoholic she's abusive to me then I leave for college I find out I have Crohn's disease in college and then, uh, you know, as, as one of those like hyper independent people, I I went to law school and one you know, highest educated person in the history of my family. Mm-hmm. And I have all these anxious issues about, you know, the police and watching my dad get arrested. And, you know, that's not something that you want to happen to you. And then one fateful evening in downtown Columbia, I was uh, falsely arrested for asking these police officers why they were arresting my friend and um, to teach us a lesson for saying that we were attorneys, which we were. Uh, They shifted us to general population by not turning our paperwork in on time. And um, during that elongated stay, I witnessed somebody take their own life. So I witnessed a suicide as well while Mm. I was in jail. And I can't tell you, man, like most people will tell you when you have panic issues, getting away, moving out of that area, wherever you are, going outside, breathing, just removing yourself from the from the trauma, from the danger is what you need and for, for me i was locked in a jail cell The yeah. guy was like right there in front of me for hours on end it was a crime scene and turns out that the officers lied on their incident report to justify my arrest it became like this like you know this my word versus theirs i mm. found it yeah i found a hidden surveillance video video went viral before viral was happening lawsuit make you know it reaches the headlines and the next thing you know I'm in a battle versus the city of Columbia uh, over whether or not I was right or they were right. And um, it went on for four years and it was bad. It was nasty. I ended up winning three hundred thousand dollars the day before the trial started. The day they said that they didn't do anything, that the day they said they they did something wrong was the day they slid the check across the table. Yeah. So I, I witnessed. You know, horrific from uh, from a personal standpoint, not from like reading it in a book, mm-hmm. what people go through, what defendants go through, what plaintiffs go through. And so I took every dollar of that money. I was working insurance defense at the time, but I took all that money and I put it into my own law firm. Right. And um, so I started doing criminal law and civil rights law and. You know, I was hammering them in the courtroom because I, you know, I had the ability and the necessity to call people out when they were lying. Mm-hmm. And in the South, it's just not something that you see in the courtroom, man.
2: No. You'll
1: see, you know, attorneys and they'll be like, "Well, I got to work with this guy. You know, I got, I have thousands of cases with him. I'm not gonna call him out on this." And I did. Mm-hmm. And at first, there was a lot of pushback. I got a lot of threats. So I was told, you know, this isn't, this isn't a, a, an area that you need to be practicing law in. One of the most conservative areas in the most conservative state in the union. And then eventually after I, you know, kept winning over and over again, eventually the word just got out. All right, don't lie. Or this guy's going to call you out on it, you know? And so heaven forbid um, (laughs) in our justice system. Right. Yeah. And so I I started getting a bigger name and then eventually I got started getting phone calls for really high profile cases Mm -hmm. because they knew I, I didn't give a damn. I would call you out. So I got hired on the Julian Betton case where, my client was shot at 29 times, hit nine times, point blank range, eight feet away, maybe even closer. Over a hundred dollars worth of marijuana. The whole thing, admitted, mm-hmm. was over a hundred dollar marijuana sale. And my client allegedly sold the hundred dollars worth of marijuana to a hundred percent mentally disabled military veteran who needed it to sleep. Right. They kicked this, they kicked this guy's door down. Middle of the afternoon, while school buses were driving around, unloaded 29 shots into this guy's house. Nine of them hit him. He survives. And they turned off all their body cameras, same as in my case. And guess what? Another hidden surveillance video. This Mm -hmm. one showed that the officer didn't knock. They didn't announce. They weren't wearing police clothing. So long story short, we end up settling that case for a state record $11.2 million in 2020 and this was right before George Floyd so uh that was also right before COVID so now I got this you know I got this this momentum we got a big attorney fee and then COVID hit and my mental health you know kind of like everybody else's took a plunge right it had already been bad you know Mm -hmm. I had PTSD generalized anxiety, all the stuff that I had gone through but I was also on Xanax and so uh long story short I said, well, you know, I'm not changing anything. All I'm doing is winning for my clients. Nothing was being changed. The officers in the Julian Betton case still work there. Mm-hmm. They still sign sworn affidavits. The judge found them to have committed perjury. These guys didn't even get a day off. Mm-hmm. They didn't even get a public recommend, nothing. And so I asked for one around the time of the George Floyd. I said, is there any way that the city of Myrtle Beach or any of these other uh, surrounding municipalities that had officers involved are going to admonish publicly. And they said, no, you got your check. That's all you need. And I said, all right, well, if I'm not making any change in the justice system, all I'm doing is helping my clients get their own personal injustice, but I'm not changing anything. I need to do something that has more of an effect on the world. And so um, from my own issues, my own suicide attempts in 2018, my own struggle with finding somebody to talk to, I realized that there wasn't anything out there. And so I created a way for you to instantly and anonymously connect with somebody else who's going through the same things as you. Yeah. That's all a white flag is. It's an app. It's a free app in the app store. And it's what I needed during all this struggle, all the stuff you just heard about. The only thing I ever needed to hear was from somebody else to say, I've gone through what you went through. I made it out. You can do this. Because mm-hmm. when you go to a therapist, like you just talked about, they don't say that they read through the book and they say, Hey, this is what, you know, could have blah blah. blah but when I got into treatment and I finally got with a roommate who was walking me through what it was like to withdraw from Xanax, walked me through what it was like to have, you know, these nightmares and cope with them the next day, you know, and then for him to be able to tell me, look, I, I know exactly, I know exactly what you're going through. The amount of times that you think about suicide, the amount of times where you think you can't make it, I will do the same thing. I'm here. And so it was, that was the best medicine for me. And you know, I thought that would be the best way to spend the money from the civil rights cases was to just flat out, you know, c- create something where people can find each other. And so that's what we got. That's where we're at now is all of my time and attention is devoted to the white flag app and connecting the world. And we had a viral video on TikTok last week or two weeks ago, and we ended up with 25,000 downloads from that one video. Nice. So people are responding. They, they like it. They think it's a good idea. And uh, one of my favorite reviews in the app store is my why. And it reads, um, you have no idea what this app means to me. It's the only reason I'm still here. Wow. And those are the type of the feedback and the and, you know, the kind of uh, reviews that keep me going, even though I'm I still struggle. You know, I'm on antipsychotics. I'm one of the best lawyers. Uh, people will tell you in the state of South Carolina. And I guarantee you, I'm the only one that admits that I struggle with my mental health and I'm on the antipsychotics and blah, blah, blah. And that's, I'm also still, I'm also still great. That's, so. that's
2: an important note too. I, I was just going to sit here and tell people, for those who don't know, you know, jo- Johnny is, Johnny is a, an affable good looking fella. He's got a, he's got his own law firm. I mean, you are on the outside, the definition of success, you know, and you've got a lovely wife, you, you've got on the outside what appears to be this fantastic life. And it's it's a lesson for us all to learn that what looks good on the outside, what we think looks fantastic on the outside may not always be as fantastic on the inside for that individual. And so hearing people out and listening to their story and understanding that everyone has their own struggles, whether we know it or not, it, it's, it's important to acknowledge. No, that's, I mean, it,
1: people talk about in the stigma and, oh, you know, I need to be in the fight. And my favorite is the reach out to me if, you, you know, everybody needs to know that you can reach out to me. Um, you know, if you guys really want to make a difference, if you really want to make a change, I'm going to tell you the only way to do it or the most efficient way uh, is to make the biggest impact. And that is sharing your own story. Yeah with your wife, with your son, with, even if you don't have quote unquote, mental health issues, you need to talk about the time where you couldn't get out of bed for three days. Mm -hmm. You need to talk about the time where, uh, where you lost somebody and you know, what grief felt like to you. You need to talk about the time where, you know, you, you, like just the casual stuff that we all feel, but the people who talk about the thing the, 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 the things that are, really difficult, like me, the past suicide attempt, trouble with addiction, trouble with alcohol. And you see me on the Today Show. You see me, you know, winning cases in the courtroom, you know, that are life without parole. People's lives are in my hands. You see that somebody's capable of doing these things and of being quote unquote mentally ill. That's the only way out of this thing. The reason that they're they're so afraid to talk to you and to everybody else and even mention what's going on with them is they're afraid of being shunned by society or yeah. locked up for three days. Yeah. And the only way that we're going to beat this thing is if you guys start talking. So, and if you might cringe by saying by hearing a guy who's a, you know, a founder of a of a startup that people rave about that's got this incredible you know record in the courtroom and this good story and. You know, all this other stuff. But I, I want you to when you when you think about and you hear these things from me, I want you to remember this was done by somebody who was extremely mentally ill. Right. I don't care what you say. I've been, I, you know, going going through my mental health issues and being where I am today. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I'm comfortable with you saying, you know, he. he, he I, I heard from a guy who's very mentally ill who's mm. doing great. Professionally, I mean, it's just like it's if I had cancer, yeah, and, and and you know, I was doing great, you wouldn't be like, Oh my lord, like, how is he doing this? Well, you would just be like applauding the mm. entire time because people are able to function normally, quote unquote, while they're dealing with deadly diseases, which is what mental illness is, which is what cancer is, and uh, we should it should all be treated uniformly. I mean, it, I didn't do anything to acquire PTSD, mm. I, I was born with it, and then. My surroundings happened and made it worse. So, you know, why should I be so ashamed? Why should I be so embarrassed? The people who hurt me damn sure aren't embarrassed. They're, you know, they could care less.
2: Such a powerful testimony to hear this from a guy who on the surface, you would look at him and think, this guy's got it all put together. He has lived a charmed life. And yet we're learning so much about Johnny that the surface wouldn't tell you. Back in 2010, by the way, Johnny was named... South Carolina's Bachelor of the Year in a Cosmopolitan magazine feature that gave us the 50 most eligible bachelors, one per each state. We'll talk more with Johnny, learn more about the White Flag app after the break.
0: More Ron Show on America One Radio after this.
2: Listen, it's no secret that the housing market is in fluctuation right now. We went through an intense seller's market for a little more than 18 months not just in metro Atlanta, but throughout the United States and the state of Georgia, obviously. So now things are cooling off a little bit. Interest rates are going up. Buyers are a little more tentative. What does that mean for you if you are looking to still kind of cash in on the equity you've grown over the last few years and potentially selling your home? Well, it means that you have to hire a savvy, smart realtor, someone who knows the negotiating game and how to market your home professionally. Guess what? That's me. That's right. Not only am I the Ron Show host, but I'm also a realtor with EXP Realty. Anyone with a few hundred dollars and a few weeks to get a license can list your home. It takes someone with decades of marketing experience to market your home and get it sold at top dollar. Call me. Let's discuss your options. 843-283-0078 or log on at rononthereal.com. My email address: ron at rononthereal.com. Georgia MLS-396-720.
0: This is the Ron Show on America One Radio.
2: So we're on with my good friend, Johnny McCoy, founder of the White Flag app. Download it now on your iTunes, Apple, or Android devices, in the uh, Google Play Store as well. White Flag app is there for you anytime you need it, 24-7, 365. If you're having a, a dip in your mental wellness and just need to talk to somebody, there is somebody who can talk to you who likely knows a lot about what you're going through. And how that comes about is by you when you download the app and then signing up. You answer a few questions, and then boom, you're set up for when you need to call on it. The best part, it doesn't cost you a thing. There's no copay, no deductible, nothing, nothing. Insurance. It's absolutely free for you to do so. So crucial. In fact, in a country where uh, medical bills uh, lead to bankruptcies, and that in and of itself causes its own mental struggles. Yeah, uh, you know this. This is something that anyone who needs it can obtain it, and there's no cost involved for it. And that's something that I find particularly pleasing and want to shout from the top of mountains and rooftops. Download this app, log in, sign yourself up, answer a few questions, and you're set if and when you ever need it. And you never have to worry about the cost. The cost is what keeps people from going to seek preventative medical care, and preventative mental health care as well.
1: Yeah, no, you're right on the money. And, you know, uh, it's not, it, I mean, you said it perfectly because it is, it's 24-7. There are very, very little hurdles for you to have to get, out, get on the app and begin talking with somebody. And after all of the stuff that I've been through, all the treatments, all the options, talking has been the, the most beneficial thing to me mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if you're talking to a therapist a psychiatrist a physician or somebody else who's been through it that's called peer support yeah. what matters is that you start your journey and you just start you know having these conversations and on white flag you don't have to jump straight in and say i'm struggling with this this and this you can go talk to somebody else Who's saying, I'm struggling with this, this and this. And you can just be there to support them, learning about their issues while you in turn, learn about your own yourself until you're ready to start talking about your stuff more intimately. But the truth is, you know, men, people who are struggling with mental illness are incredibly lonely. Mm-hmm. I mean, most people are just lonely in general, right. but people with mental illness are incredibly lonely 24 hours a day. You can anonymously get on white flag and have a real conversation with a real person who needs it, who needs to hear from you, who needs to know that there's empathy in other people out there. You don't just have to be related to them. You don't have to be paid. You don't have to be trained. It's true. It's within us. It, and, and it's what makes us a, separate from the rest of the species on this planet is that we, we do things for each other without anything expected in return. And it feels great. It helps us. But that's not why we do it. There's some sort of internal longing to be there for each other. And that white flag provides you the space to do that. So if you're out there and you want to know how I can get in the fight, you want to know how I can, you know, uh, help truly combat the crisis. White flags on the front line. Just sign on. You don't got to put your real name in there. Just an anonymous username. You don't have to put your address or anything crazy like that. And you can immediately begin, you know, combating the crisis by being there for somebody else.
2: Let me ask you this, Johnny, though, uh, you know, if I have, uh, you know, some big pocketed donor who wants to say, you know, I really want to get behind this. I'd like to I'd like to to support it in some kind of way. Is is is, is that does that avenue exist or is there any way that, you know, yeah. folks can? Yeah.
1: So the best thing for you to do if you want to you know, be, on, be along the journey along the way is to follow our social media for um you know for different ways where you can participate whether we're going to end up doing crowdfunding here soon okay. or you know whether we announce a fundraise or whatnot uh, but yeah no that's a great question i appreciate it the best way to do that is to just kind of follow us on our social media for updates
2: okay all right and how to uh, what, what's your give, give us your social media handle so those who don't
1: yeah yeah so we're everywhere at white flag app okay. app uh you know we um we're on tiktok we're on instagram we post daily on every channel facebook twitter we're even on linkedin because people are in those places and it's people that are struggling with mental illness and need this so we go where everybody is uh so yeah follow us along at white flag app um our podcast is on apple podcast spotify it's you know, it's a, 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 uh, a, a more uh, more involved conversation about my mental health, mm-hmm. about our users' mental health, some of our team members. We're going to talk about ketamine on there. We're going to talk about mushrooms, all things that I tried during my journey. So follow along with the White Flag Warriors podcast as well.
2: That's good stuff, man. Well, listen, Johnny, uh, it's good to catch up with you. Uh, I'm sorry we haven't done this a whole lot sooner. Uh, I love you, brother, and uh, I love wish you me, all the best. Man.
1: Well, Ron, you've always, I don't know if your users know this, but you have always been real. And that's what everybody, you know, that's what they say they like about me is, you know, I got the whole far. But, you know, I've always appreciated that uh, that you've kept it real, not only with your users, even in Myrtle Beach. You know, you bring us along on your journey and it's just, you're just a wonderful person. I'm glad to call you a friend, man.
2: Same here, buddy. Thank you so much for the time. Absolutely. Of course. All right, a little bit against the clock here, but I got a little time for On This Day in Black History. Dr. Julius Irving, born on this day in 1950. Dr. J was born in Roosevelt, New York, won three championships, four MVP awards, three scoring titles while playing with the ABA's Virginia Squires and New York Nets and the NBA's Philadelphia 76ers. He is To date, the fifth highest score in professional basketball history with 30,026 points when you combine his ABA and NBA statistics. The first Grammy Award for the best rap song, 1989. DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince win the first Grammy Award in this category for the hit single, Parents Just Don't Understand. I remember that song. All right, we'll put a close on the show with that for the day. Back tomorrow, 5 to 6 p.m. You hear it first on the America One Radio app at americaoneradio.com. And then the Ron Show is on all the major podcast platforms. Whichever your preferred platform is, you can find the link at ronshowatl.com. Please tell your friends about us, and then they can follow us along on uh, Twitter at ronshowatl. Instagram, Facebook, follow links as well. You can find it all at ronshowatl.com. Have a great (laughs) week.